0: You are listening to the Sermons Podcast of First Baptist Church, Mount Washington. I invite you to turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. We are going to look at one verse today, verse 2. One of my deacons quipped earlier, does that mean we're going to get out early? Uh, you know the answer to that. Um, we're in a section here in Romans. We've been working our way through um, on the assurance that we have in, in our life with Christ. And so this section is, is focusing on the, the security of our salvation. And it's such an important topic. And these verses are so rich and filled with uh, the truth of God um, that uh, it's. I want to make sure that we're soaking up all of these truths that we can. And, uh, and so we're going to just look at one verse today. How do we know that we've been saved? How do we know that we're secure in, in that salvation? Paul is answering that question here in Romans 5. Notice verse, we'll begin reading in verse 1. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. Lord, please quiet our hearts and our minds. By your Holy Spirit, open our eyes to see, our ears to hear the glories of of the riches of Christ. And I pray that you would use me as your servant today. I pray that you would increase and I would decrease and your word would go forth. And I pray it in Jesus' name, amen. One of the most important principles for interpreting the Bible is understanding that not everything in the Bible is written for everybody. Uh, that may sound strange and even wrong to some people, but it, it's true. And I think it's true even uh, in everyday life as well. We would, we would uh, make note of this. Jim Boyce likens it to a mailman. Imagine a, a mailman who mixes up the addresses of the mail he was entrusted to deliver uh, what chaos that would create, uh, someone delivers a birth announcement uh, to someone who doesn't even know the family, or, or they deliver your bank statement to your neighbor, uh, or a, a birthday card or an invitation to a party in, in which, again, you have uh, no idea. A preacher may be likened to something like a a, a postal worker in that sense. The Bible is his message, but it's his duty to to make sure that the right message gets to the right people. And so this part of Romans is is not for everyone. Paul has been explaining to us in Romans chapter 1 through 4 that this gospel call of God goes out to everyone. And uh, that salvation comes by faith in Christ. But now here in chapter 5, Paul is talking about the benefits and, and blessings, if you will, of, uh, that, that come to those who have believed. Uh, who through faith have come to Christ and Christ has come into them. That's what these words are for. And it's clear uh, right from the beginning Romans 5.1, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, that is, uh, if you have believed and been saved, then the following benefits are yours. Here's the first one, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Our status before God has changed. We were once at war with God. When we didn't know Christ and we were still in our sins, that's what the Bible says, we were at war with Him, He with us. Uh, But now we have peace through Christ since we've been justified. What a great blessing, amen? And notice the second benefit, verse 2, through Him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. There is a ton of treasure in in, in this verse alone. A a preacher, in one sense, is not just a mailman. He's a a miner as well. He's digging uh, into the depths of God's Word and expositing it and explaining it and revealing the meaning and application of it. And so what glorious truth we have here in that we have not just peace with God, but access into the grace of God. Let's think about this verse. There's a couple of headings I I hope that will guide us this morning. First, the accessibility of grace. The accessibility of grace. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace. The word access there is an important word. It's only used three times in the New Testament. Once here in our verse, but a couple other times in Ephesians. And it's helpful when you're studying God's word and you want to understand what a word means, look in other places in the Bible where it is used. Ephesians 2 18 says, For through him, that is Christ, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. Access to the Father. The same idea, similar idea, Ephesians 3 12, in whom, again, Christ, we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in Him." So we're talking about access to God. It means uh, having the right to enter, or uh, uh, freedom to enter, or an introduction to enter. I was thinking this week about uh, Esther in the Old Testament. You remember that story when she made up her mind. To go and talk to the king, King Xerxes, um, it was uh, pretty significant because it was the law of the king, the king of Persia, Xerxes, uh, that no one could approach the king without being summoned. And so if you just walked in there uh, without being summoned and he did not extend his scepter to you, it was death. That's how you died. And so, at great risk, Esther approaches the king, and by the grace of God, he holds out his scepter. Here, Paul is saying that similarly, that when we were in sin, we had no right of entry into the presence of a holy God. And to walk in would certainly mean death because of our sins. But now, Paul says, when we are justified by faith, having been justified, we are introduced into the presence of God. We have access into a personal relationship with God. Think of that. We, we were sinful. We were vile. He's been telling us in Romans 1 through 3, our righteousness was like filthy rags in God's eyes. We had nothing to commend us before this God. Esther had her beauty to, uh, 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 to gain her access with the king, but we don't have any beauty before God. But then here comes one, one who has the right of entry, one who has went to the cross for us and rose again for us, and he has come, and through him, we have access to God. Isn't that amazing? His justification of us, declaring us right, has given us access into the grace of God. It's an amazing truth. Now, notice several things about this access. First, our access is exclusive Paul says in verse 2, the first words, through him. Through him, Jesus, that is, that we have this access. We recall Jesus' own words to us in John 14, 6, when he says, I am the way and the truth and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. It's only through Jesus that we have can have a relationship with God. Not everyone has this access. Not everyone. It's only for those who believed in Christ. Unbelievers are barred from the presence of God. Not even their prayers do they have access to God, much less a relationship with Him. Think of the word also. Through Him we have also. Pointing us back again to the peace that we have with God. In other words, if you have peace with God, you also have access with God. And, and, and the flip side is true, if we didn't have this peace with God, you would not want access to God. You would be trying to get away from God if you were not at peace with Him. But because we have peace, Paul says, we also have access into his grace, all believers, all who have been justified have access into His grace. Not some believers, but all believers have access. Secondly, this access is, is direct. It's, it's, it, again, it's through him, and, and it's reminding us of another thing that's important is that we don't need another mediator to go to our Heavenly Father. Jesus is our mediator. If you have Christ, you don't need someone else to be a go-between for you and your relationship with the Lord. Jesus is our high priest, and through him, through Jesus, we have access into God's grace. Wonderful truth. We think back to the temple of the Old Testament, and uh, if, if... just a cursory kind of of the geography of how that thing was laid out. There was an outer court. The first place that you came into, the outer court coming into the temple. Uh, it was separated with a wall. And then there was the court of the Gentiles uh, that they could come into. And, and, and there was separation. And, and then the Jews could go further into the temple, uh, closer to God. There was the court of women, uh, these, these, these concentric circles, if you will. Only Jewish men could go even farther into the temple. And then there was another wall of separation. Only the priests could get close, closer. And, and then there was another wall. There was a curtain, a thick curtain, we are told about, that separated the place that was called the Holy of Holies. And that place where only once a year a high priest could go in. It was such privileged access that if a high priest, uh, again, it it was of great risk (laughs) and blessing to go into this. Why was it this way? Why would God set this up like this in the Old Testament? Why would God keep people out It was really an object lesson. It was pointing us, reminding his people ever so of their sin, of the holiness of God, and ultimately for our need of someone to mediate for us, to give us access to God. How glorious was it that on the cross when Jesus died, that curtain was torn in two. And now we have the privilege, Paul says, through him. We have obtained access to God. Jesus has opened up the way for us. The author of Hebrews summarized it like this in Hebrews 10 Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places, what's our confidence based in? By the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that He opened for us through the curtain that is through His flesh. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, that is Jesus, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. That's what Paul is saying in that phrase, through Him. Through Him we have access. Note thirdly, our access is final. Paul says we have obtained it. This is something we have obtained. And in other words, there was a time when we didn't have it. We didn't have access, but we, we were on the outside, if you will. We were in the outer courts. We were way far away. We were like the Gentiles. We couldn't even get close. We were unclean. But then something happened. Something happened for us. Something happened to us. And that is our justification. God declaring us right in salvation through our faith in Jesus. This is part of our this part of our salvation it is not a process it's a once and forever action you have therefore since you have been justified verse 1 we have obtained Our sins have been forgiven. We are just and righteous in and through the Lord Jesus Christ, though we have never sinned at all because of one act of God, all an immediate act upon our faith in Jesus Christ. Paul says we used to be outside of this, but now we we have attained it. And we will always have this access, beloved. Permanent. On your good days, on your bad days, on the days that you struggle, it's, it has been secured forever by Jesus Christ. For all who come to Him in faith, you have access. You have obtained access to this grace. Fourth, our access is spiritual what are we talking about here? We're talking about spiritual things. Now, Lawson is helpful here. He says, the, he says we're not talking about getting out of this room and walking into another room to be closer to God, right? That's the temple kind of thing, but that's not true anymore, not in Christ. He, he writes, you, you can access God spiritually within your heart no matter where you are. Whether you're at church, at home, at work, by yourself in a crowd of people, wherever you are. Think of the blessing of that, Christian. That, that what a privilege, what a blessing that has been opened to us through, us through Jesus Christ, this blessing of access, access into our worship of God corporately and privately in our daily fellowship with God in our prayer life. It's a spiritual access. Wherever we are, we have this access to God. And then finally, we should note that this access is anticipatory, that is, it causes us to anticipate an even greater access to God. We have access into God's grace and presence spiritually right now, but it's wonderful to think about that one day we will all come before the throne of His grace in heaven. Paul refers to it at the end of verse 2 which we'll talk about next week a bit. We rejoice uh, in hope of the glory. After Christ returns and all of this life is over, we will stand before God. We will be in His presence. Right now, we live by faith and not by sight, right? That's our access to Him. It's a spiritual access. But one day, we will see Him as He is. We will see, and we'll be with him for all eternity. Is there anything more glorious than that thought, church? Since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace. Hallelujah for this. But there's more. Notice, secondly, the assurance the assurance of grace. Through him, we've also obtained access by faith into this grace. And here's the phrase, in which we stand. In which we stand. That's important. Paul doesn't say the grace in which you have. That's true. He doesn't say oh, it's the grace in which you which you uh, which you are. The, this, he says no. It's the grace in which you stand. Why does he say that? He's he's emphasizing something to us, isn't he? he? He's emphasizing the assurance, the certainty, the finality of this grace. We're not sitting in it, we're standing in it. We don't just have it, we're standing. There's stability, there's security, there's assurance, there's confidence. And sometimes we hear someone say that, oh, so-and-so, they fell from grace. That's an absurd idea, if you understand what true grace is. No one falls from God's grace. And there are places, even in Scripture, where this is mentioned, Galatians 5, 4, but it's used, if you carefully study that, it's used as a hypothetical kind of argument. It's never used to to make that that specific point about falling from grace because when the Bible speaks of salvation by grace, it always does so with certainty, certainty. We've obtained access, finality, we've obtained it, we have it by faith into this grace and we're standing in this grace. Lloyd-Jones puts it like this, we've entered into a position of grace We have had our introduction to God and we now stand before Him in an entirely new manner. Right? We're no longer at war with Him. We have peace with God and we're standing in grace with God. How? How? The reason is is because we're not standing on our own self-righteousness. We're not standing in the, the... our own good works. We're we're standing in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. We're no longer under the law, he will say in chapter 8. We are under grace. Our position is so secure in Christ that we are standing in it. In fact, it's not just that we've obtained access, um, in, in some ways is beyond this in, in the sense that, that our very relationship with God has changed. He is not just our king, you understand, that is very true, but he is now in Christ our father. Your father is the king. Think of the dynamic, the change in that status and that relationship. The God of the universe is our abba he delights now that we come to him he's delighted in this relationship he receives us he loves us he blesses us and friend, it is entirely because of his grace that he does so and now paul says we're standing in it wonderful implications of this assurance of salvation is certainly one of them but also assurances regarding matters of our, our sanctification as well, this process that we're in now of growing painfully uh, in the Christian life. Think of what 2 Peter 1.3 reminds us. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. I know the word access is not used there, but I see the implication of it when he says it's been granted to us. It's granted to us. Now that you've been justified and saved, God has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. You've been given access to it. Do you feel like you're in a season sometimes of struggling Most of the time, right? A season of difficulty, a season of doubt, a season of discouragement, a season when you're wondering if your prayers are making it through the ceiling or whatever circumstances are going on. Hear this word, his divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence by which he has granted to us, there it is again, his precious and very great promises. These things have been granted to you, Christian, because of your access through faith in Christ. Are you living in light of this truth? We are not spiritual paupers in in this sense. We We have God as our Father and our King, and He has granted us access to all things that pertain to life and godliness. Everything that you need. Christ is enough. Does it not encourage you? All the riches and glories of His grace are at our disposal. Paul knew this. He knew this. Uh, experientially as well, his own testimony in Philippians 4. He writes there, not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low and I know how to abound in any and every circumstance. I've learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. And he makes it even more clear, where that strength is found, verse 19, and my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. This is what justification does. We were outside of his blessings, outside of his grace, but now there's been a change when we were saved. We are inside. We've, uh, through Christ, through faith, we now stand in these blessings, he said. His promises to meet our needs according to the riches of and glory in Jesus Christ. Think of the implication of this truth on your prayer life. On your prayer life, which we're reminded of earlier in Ephesians 3.12. He says, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in Him. And then Paul goes on to launch into a great prayer for them and to encourage them to pray. Think of this. How do we understand and realize that we have this introduction, that we've been given this introduction, this access into grace by the Lord Jesus Christ? How do we understand? How do we know that we have it? One of the tests is that we should examine ourselves with prayer. Are we praying? Are you praying, Christian? Are you praying with boldness and confidence? Again, stop thinking of yourself as the poor man in the street who has no access to the banquet hall inside. Through Christ, we have access into this grace. You're not outside. You are inside if you are in Christ. It is why, again, the tone, the tenor, Hebrews four sixteen. let us then with, with, with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. We need to examine ourselves. how is our prayer life? How is your prayer life? Is it reflected of, of this glorious truth that you have been gained you 've gained access to this grace? and again we 're secure in these things. Paul wants us to be confident in Christ who lives in us so that we can live for him in this world. He, he likens this idea of standing, he uses it. Several times to encourage us in the Christian life of, of certainties and promises and anchors. First Corinthians 15:1, I would remind you, brothers of the gospel, I preach to you when, which you received and in which you stand. You want a firm foundation to stand on. It is the gospel of Jesus Christ. His word is a firm foundation for our lives. We stand on that word. 2 Corinthians 1.24, not that we lorded over your faith, but we work with you for your joy, for you stand firm in your faith. Our security in Christ, it leads us to joy. It leads us to gospel partnerships. It leads us to glad service of our Lord. We stand in it, this assurance. Ephesians 6.13, therefore take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm, stand therefore. Because we've been justified, because we have peace with God, having obtained access into this grace, we now stand. God enables us to stand, to stand against the schemes of the devil. He will provide for us. In fact, he has the armor of God pointing us to the Lord Jesus Christ in whom we stand. 1 Peter 5.12 says, Peter's closing his letter there, and he says, I've written briefly to you exhorting and declaring that this is the true grace of God. Stand firm in it, he says. Are you standing firm in it? I love, again, what Lloyd-Jones says about this. He says, we do not shuffle into this grace. We are introduced and presented standing erect upon our feet before God. How? How can this reality be of such sinful people that we have this kind of standing before God? Here's the answer. It's because we go in with Christ. In all of his righteousness, holding us by the hand before the Father. We have obtained access through him, it says, and that access is full and final. Do you have assurance of that this morning? Are you living in light of this assurance? I want to close with this and I want to do so from one verse from Psalm 1. And this is for those of you specifically who are not in Christ and you do not know Him as your Lord and Savior. You're lost in your sin. You're ungodly. Psalm 1 is a great compare and contrast between the way of the righteous and the way of the ungodly. It talks about how the righteous are planted, they're prospering under the grace and blessings of God. They've been granted access to grace and you can almost hear they're now standing in that grace. But listen to what Psalm 1-5 says. The ungodly will not stand in the judgment. That is when the final days come and names are called and works are revealed, that sinners apart from Christ will not be able to stand. There will be no safety, in other words. There will be no security. There will be no assurance. There will be no foundation before a holy and just God. They do not have peace with God and access into His grace, and there will be no Savior standing next to them to represent them. and they will go into the judgment, the Bible says. To wait and to put your faith in Christ will be too late. You must take him by the hand today if you want him to take you by the hand then. And you do that by faith. You entrust yourself to him for the forgiveness of your sins, and His righteousness alone to save you, you entrust your life to Him. Will you do that today? Our final song speaks of this incredible access that we have into grace that our Savior Jesus has purchased for us. And if you have sweet assurance of this, then I want to encourage you to sing it with all of your heart today to worship God But if you don't have this assurance, this assurance, then I want to encourage you to look to Jesus Christ in faith as your Savior. Lord, thank you for your grace today. And thank you so much for Jesus that through Him, we've been given access to it. Help us now, Lord, to be strengthened in in that assurance, Lord, those of us who who know Christ and have it. uh, May we be encouraged today to live for you, to pray, to worship you as those who have been given this access. And for others, Lord, who don't know you, I pray that they might look to your son, Jesus, for salvation. We pray this in his name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this podcast. I'm Pastor Jason Clark, and if you don't have a church home, I want to personally invite you to First Baptist Mount Washington. We're striving to be word-centered, gospel-focused, and community-minded. Learn more about our church and our meeting times from our website, fbcmw.org.